Welcome to the Heroes of Reality Podcast, a podcast about the game of life and the hero's journey we all experience. Let's jump in with our host, Dylan Watkins, as he introduces today's guest. Do you want to know about the five myths stopping you from sustaining high performance? Well, in this podcast, I have a very special guest named Lindsay Briner. She is a world-renowned executive coach, advisor, and neuropsychologist. She is most widely known for her expertise and academic accomplishments in the field of wellness technologies, transpersonal psychology, and the neuroscience of human performance. Through her PhD training, she has been featured in international academic conferences and publications in peer-reviewed journals with a focus on neuroscience and the psychology of stabilized flow. So without any further delay, I'd like to welcome Lindsay. Hi, Dylan. Hey, Lindsay. How are you doing today? Good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to talk to you about all things flow-related and, uh, and really understanding uh, the mindset of high performance. I think we all want high performance. Um, and sometimes we send, tend to get in our own way. So I'm, I'm looking forward to chatting with you about this. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, I'd like to kick things off. So what kind of got you, can you talk to me just a little bit about your origin stories of like what got you in the whole area of psychology and flow and high performance? Yeah, sure. Um, well, you know, that there's flow and then, you know, why I got into psychology and with flow, I, I really, I started off uh, really young as a long distance runner, like literally like fourth grade. I started long distance competing with my dad and just, um, you know, took it really seriously as I aged and just became addicted to that adrenaline and rush of the flow you know, or the runner's high, you know, and um and at certain points in my running career, I got injured and lost my ability to compete and then started seeking out alternative forms of having the same experience that I was kind of addicted to, which was the runner's high, like the endorphins that come with it. And also like I lost like, my sense of identity because I wasn't having that experience. And so I started um, being introduced to yoga and meditation and started experimenting with these other more Eastern kind of approaches to getting a similar into a similar um, mindset. And then I also, you know, just always just really wanted to help people. I thought I wanted, was going to go into social work. I just saw like a lot of suffering in the world and just really wanted to help people. And then I took, took my first neuroscience class and kind of like put the two together and was like, okay, <laughs> there's something here, you know, and just like followed my heart essentially. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. And it's, it's also finding that passion, that, that fix around a performance, right? There's, I mean, long distance running is a high performance thing where you have to, I mean, you're constantly pushing yourself at your edge. And then it's interesting because then you, that, that it's a, a difficult thing to try to communicate what flow is and what those elements are and how to put those things together. It's like, it's like a, as soon as you think about it, you lose it. You know, it's it, being in the zone and you're like, oh, I'm in the zone and it immediately drops you out of the zone, right? So there's, yeah. it's, it's funny and it's ironic, but it's, it's, it's true. So it's like, how do you become aware of being in the flow while you're in the flow along those edges? And um, I'd, I'd love to talk to you just a little bit about that when you're talking about flow and, you know, how do you, how do you help people find their flow? How do you, you know, how do you work with people to, 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 to achieve that high performance? Well, um, first, if it's okay, like before I answer your question, I'd yeah. love to just like kind of like 
define what we're talking about here because there's like the mainstream kind of standard model of flow state and peak performance, which is this, you know, widely studied um, under the conditions of like, you know, um, professional athletes, musicians and artists, and they have their performance task that they want to be in flow state in, right? When they're on the court and shooting basketball hoops or like doing their music on stage, you know? And so they have to like do this, a state change to get into that peak performance mode. And there's a lot of research on it. And basically what it is, is like um, being fully immersed, like merging with the task at hand where you're at one unity in action, where you kind of lose the sense of self in the merging with the thing that you're performing. Right. And, and then you go back to regular life and you're just a normal person, right. You experience this extraordinary moment of a peak performance state. And then you go back and you're just ordinary again. And so it's a state right of extraordinary experience that's like you said like part of the way that it's defined is that it's un unexplainable because like you just can't like it's just so epic right um there's like no words um and so but my unique kind of um my unique contribution to the arena of flow state and performance excellence uh research and understanding is like the concept of stabilized flow And it's this level of self-mastery and um, performance excellence that translates into all areas of life where you're actually able to be like fully present and fully immersed, like task by task and moment to moment in a high performance state, no matter what you're doing in your relationships, in your work, um, you know, in your just daily activities and experiencing an extraordinary state of consciousness in an ordinary day-to-day way, right? And so that's kind of my unique approach is the stabilized flow, which is an ongoing state um, versus like a temporary peak state. Um, it's slightly different. Well, yeah, and I'd love to learn more about that and trying to understand the terminologies because flow, um, which was made famous by Mihai, I mean, Checks Mihai back in the day and all that stuff, right? And gone yeah. through and Jamie Wheel and all that jazz. You're yeah. talking about the cycle of flow, right? You have the the effort, then you have the rest and the recovery, and then you cycle through things. So it's an unsustainable peak that you can't continue on because of the 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 taxation it does on the system the fact that it's it's overly you can't be in flow the entire time otherwise you are in it you're unable to plan for the future think about the past the ruminating mind and all that fun stuff so how does how do you stay in stabilized flow is there not a flow cycle that comes along with it or how does it work it's a different level of intensity right um where like you can still have a sense of self you know, the sense of self is the, you know, central organizing principle of our life. So it's not about getting rid of the self completely. Um, and it's just like um, my PhD internship was at the trans tech lab in Palo Alto. Cool. And we studied this, we studied stabilized flow and this transition from, you know, the default mode network of temporal processing the brain and switching into a persistent experience of like parallel processing in the brain and having this kind of non-dual experience and what changes with the difference Um, My understanding of the difference of like a peak flow state and like what we're talking about here in stabilized flow is that like there's 
like I said, different levels of intensity mm-hmm. and or like locations of depth and intensity. And like maybe for a specific task, you turn up the notch of intensity and can have that kind of climax of a peak flow state. But then you are have like learned the techniques and um, ability to kind of self-regulate that notch of intensity mm-hmm. to lower levels to be able to go switch task to task and still plan for the future at a, of a high performance state without going back into the default mode network of the brain of that mm-hmm. that that narrative mind right so that's uh, does that make sense that, that it does make sense like, I'm thinking I'm, think, I'm thinking about a couple of elements here uh, so one if you look at stir, Right, the you're looking at selflessness, timelessness. Uh, you're looking at effortlessness and richness of the environment. Those are elements that make up a flow state. Yeah. Now, what you're saying that is that what you're having is more of what you're focusing on. What it sounds like is like the effortlessness of it, in terms of maybe you don't have the selflessness, so you still understand yourself, but you have that effortlessness, so you're able to move through things without friction. The same way that dolphins don't really sleep. The way that dolphins have, they basically alternate half brains, right? So they have half of the brain sleep as they move through things. They kind of sleep with one eye open. So they're still moving, they're resting, and they're recovering, but they're moving along and they can switch into alert mode as need be or yeah. dial things up. Yeah. Um, so More is that- resistance to existence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you... Okay. So it's, it's helped me because it's the first time I've actually come across the terminology and I'm trying to wrap. I know, I know a bit about flow and I'm just trying yeah. to like wrap my head around this other element of it. It sounds like it's like, it's, yeah, it's these low level stabilized flow that allows you to kind of go through things so that you can, you can do it with less effort. So it's less tax in the system so that you can kind of sustain it for longer. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's the effortlessness is totally foundational. And then what comes with that too, is like better decision-making, greater clarity, better relationships. And so the long-term planning that you mentioned actually becomes way more efficient, right? Because when we're in our prefrontal mode of our narrative mind, we're essentially in the, the narrative of what locks us into the flight or flight response and the stress response, right? And so if we're actually able to unhook from that and stay out of that that narrative mind or like what I call the false self narrative that hooks us into our fight or flight response, if we're able to unhook from that and stay there, then we're actually able to strategically um, plan for the future with less impulsive behavior. And because you're not in fight or flight, right? When you're so stressed out, you make bad decisions. You're impulsive and it's like short-term decision-making. And so you're actually able to have with this parallel processing of the stabilized flow, you can think more clearly, um, more effectively for better long-term strategy and outcome. That's a really good thing. And I'm looking at understanding because a lot of people are unconscious of the states that they're in. Some people yeah. feel they feel whatever they feel or whatever they think or whatever is true. Everything's on fire. The world's thing and everything. There's no hope and it's true, right? Yeah, you know, and it and it becomes yeah. it becomes their it becomes their reality, right? Whether it's true or not, it's their reality. Yeah. Um, but part of the thing is becoming first aware and then being able to choose the states you move into, right? Which is tricky. So how do you how do you do someone become aware? of where they're at and knowing that they're in a fight or flight sense or they know they're in a certain mindset. And because I think the first thing is awareness and then being able to actually move into where you want to go. So can you talk to me a little about how people first become aware of what state they're in? Yeah, well, when I work with uh, my 
with my clients or in my groups um, that I teach, you know, I, I start with really getting into the the heavy like underworld of the narrative mind, right? Like of our unconscious and subconscious conditioning, right? Because like you said, you know, Donald Hoffman, an incredible cognitive neuroscientist out of UC Irvine says, you know, that 99% of, um, of our behavior is functioning from the unconscious mind. 99%, you know, so it's about getting in there and like, you know, doing some figuring it out. Like, I don't like to figure too much of it out and get stuck there. That because a lot of Western therapy kind of like gets you into your narrative mind and that false self narrative. And, and then it just kind of perpetu perpetuates the stories and you get kind of stuck there. So I'm like, I go in there, I offer some frameworks around how to do some detective work around what is that like archetype? of like your basic, like I think about it as like a sine waves, right? That moves like in your prefrontal cortex that has like an algorithm that has determined like all of your decisions of like who you are and all of the choices that you have made and it's motivation. It's like what motivates you to be you, to do doing and make choices, right? And there's like the, the underworld of it is like this, the subconscious and like where our earliest traumas and our earliest conditionings, right? And identifying what that really is using like, you know, very well researched frameworks and just becoming more and more aware of what it is so that we don't have to identify with it as much, you know, so we can catch ourselves when we get triggered into the fight or flight response and it's like, oh, there's my victim. Like there's my projection of like needing a hero and there, there's, Here's me being a hero, projecting that other person as being a victim and me needing to like um, help them when really they just need to be a little, it's like disempowering, you know? And so there's different frameworks, you know, that's like, you know, the Cartman's drama triangles. Like one is like being able to learn just a little bit to be able to catch yourself when you're falling into these patterns and knowing your story just enough to rise above the clouds of your story, right? And then function from like the whole sky rather than those clouds of what's keeping us limited, right? Can you say a little bit about the Cartman's triangle? I'm not familiar with that. Okay, so the Cartman's drama triangle, this is like the simplest framework that I, that I can offer. For sure, sure, yeah. All this subconscious stuff, because it's, yeah, it's pretty, it can get pretty deep. But like, <laughs> so there's the, the hero, the victim, um, and the villain, right? And so that's like, anytime you find yourself putting like enlisting yourself in yeah. one of those roles or enlisting other people in one of those roles. It's probably some false story story that you're making up that's based on your conditioning and your patterns. And you want to really catch yourself and look at, and this is great, like in business, you know, and with your collaborators and, you know, with my executive clients is to really like, when we get caught up in all of these stories, is it really true? Are you functioning from your wound and like the unmet needs of your childhood or are you functioning from your true nature and what's like really motivating you outside of that, that wounding, right? Mm. Yeah. I found it's so funny because the, the hero villain victim is something that I've, I've, I don't know how I came across, but I mean, cause I've run the hero's journey podcast and listen to understand people's journeys and really stories of transformation. And I think it's a, it's, there's a perspective of of being empowered and going is this something that i accept responsibilities is this is something that i i bring in because if you if you stay in the mindset that i can't change anything nothing will change and everything that happens to me is not my fault it's a, not a very empowering perspective to be in that's why i like the the mindset of an empowerment mindset of saying this is something that 
um, I, I will take ownership. Maybe it was my fault or not my own fault. It's not a big deal. Whatever it is, am I responsible? Do I at least have the power within to make some sort of effective change? If I can't change the environment through my own courage, then I have the wisdom to know the difference and be able to then shift my mindset and go, this is okay, great. Then I, this is reality. And this is, this is now my new perspective. And yeah. so I, so I, those are something I've, I've doing a lot as I bring people through the podcast and thinking about it, I find it a very, um, empowering thing to look at that, those two, those two lenses, but I know they're just stories. These are just stories that were lenses that we're putting on to see the world. Is there a, uh, a deeper truism that's below that, that you're talking about, like a more empowered or more, um, a healing perspective to view the view lenses through? Yeah. So then on the other side of that, there's the virtuous, uh, triangle, which where the hero becomes the coach, the victim, becomes the um, the creator and the villain becomes the challenger, right? And so it's just this like slight difference of, of what, what can be real and true and how we're perceiving and getting caught up in these stories, right? Because it's like, like, it's okay that these stories can come up, you know, and it's just about like identifying what's fundamentally real and true and not getting too caught up in this, you know, the drama of it right and just being like okay like like what's really going on here you know is the is the victim maybe just like someone who needs a little bit of coaching instead of like disempowering them right and is the villain just actually offering some you know some challenging material to actually get us to the next level of what we can co-create here you know Mm -hmm. Okay, so then the I'm walking through this, the the virtuous cycle here is so you're saying, uh, not the hero becomes the coach, the victim can get coached, yeah, right? and the hero can become a creator, yeah, is that right, yeah, and, and the villain is instead of being a villain, it's just someone to test us to be able to rise to the occasion. Exactly. Okay. Cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah, it's one of the things that uh, there's um something that we're working on and something we're building out that's uh, it's rivals cause us to ascend. The true thing of a rival is causing us to ascend. A, a true rival is someone that challenges you at that most difficult time to, to, so that you can both ascend together. It's not, yeah. it's not, it's not me like, I want you to lose because I'm this. It's like, I want you to challenge me to grow. Right. And yeah, that, yeah. And that, that leaning on right, out of that adversarial role playing, right. Yeah, yeah. Of right and wrong and good and bad. Yeah. 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 It's not, you're preventing me. It's your, your, by this, the suffering is, is, is challenging me to grow. So I love that. These are great. These are, these are fun for me. I'm learning new concepts here. I'm taking <laughs> copious notes. This is great. Um, uh, you said, I want to, I want to bring it back a little bit. You said you, 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 um, PhD or you're working on that inter- internship PhD over at the trans tech labs, which is a super like high tech. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of elements going on there. I've never been to it myself, but, um, uh, I had uh, Dr. Jeffrey Martin on before. Oh, um, cool. Yeah. It's super fun. And did you get a chance? I heard that they have, and I haven't tried it yet, uh, a brain, a, a gun that you can shoot into the brain, a sonic brain gun or something that actually causes you to, to like enlighten yourself or something like that. Yeah. You were talking about that. And I was like, whoa, whoa, there's a, there's a, a, a consciousness gun. Or something like that. I don't know if you've, if you, can you talk to me just about any of the technologies yeah. that you experienced? Yeah. yeah. I was actually like around at the conception of that whole project and yeah. went 
that's uh, Jay Sanguinetti's project, actually. You might want to interview him, too. And I went over to the University of Arizona as a visiting scholar and initially working on using an ultrasound device on the brain for Alzheimer's and TBI patients. And then um, Jay Sanguinetti is very close friends and colleagues with Shinzen Young, who's a famous meditation teacher. And um, Shinzen and Jay kind of came up with this idea of stimulating the area of the brain that was associated with suffering. Um, And so then Jeffrey brought them over to our lab in California after I got back. And um, basically, yeah, like (laughs) wanted to do retreats and all this stuff, you know, and like they really tried to pull back um, because ultrasound, I mean, it's incredible technology and it's the cutting edge of like Alzheimer's uh, research, especially too. And they're also using it for meditation and mindfulness, but they really had to pull back on, on some of the claims and like really get clear on like the safety protocols because you're like literally like you can target (laughs) an area deep in the brain, like the size of like smaller than the size of a grain of sand, you know? So it's like the potential is huge, but like there's ethics that need to be held around it to test to make sure it's like reasonable, you know, but that's the direction that that we are going with that type of technology. So it's very exciting. Yeah, man. It's uh, talk about hacking the game, you know, (laughs) you're really like you're shooting and, and we're just, you know, we're, we're, we're monkeys who invented guns. Right. And you're given to other people like myself. I'm I'm a monkey. Right. You give that if, if you gave me a brain gun, you're like, oh, shit. I'm like, yeah, sure. That seems like a good idea. And just start shooting it. Or, it, it it's uh, I think the fact that there's technology that it comes out, it's super exciting. It needs to be there needs to be reverence. There needs to be things like that. And it, but it's exactly. all it's also so seductive. It's so seductive to yeah. be like, oh, I could I could spend, you know, 40 years meditating on top of a mountain or I could just put this sonic yeah. gun to my brain and just pull the trigger. At the yeah. same time, I do see that there are challenges to that, right? There definitely yeah, are. Challenges, yeah. You know, um, but it's fascinating. It's so fascinating yeah, to hear you talk about that. It, it is it is the tip of the spear um, of these things. And there's, and there's, you know, healthier ways, you know, uh, to, to, to not healthier, I guess, safer ways to get along that path. I just found it to be fascinating. So when you mentioned that, I wanted to bring that up because I've, I've heard about that and it does seem, uh, both amazing and terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Time. So, uh, well, that's, you know, that's why I really like working with executives who are doing like positive impact work in the world to like really think about that long-term strategy because the world is a mess, right? Yeah. You know, we live in a crisis aware world and there's just more and more and more of it. And so to work with like these executives to really get them into this stabilized flow that they mm-hmm. can think about the long term ethics and make good decision making with whatever businesses they have, you know, and especially in the technology industry. And I do a lot of consulting for wellness technology companies for this reason, you know, to like really like like get into the ethics of this long term vision of where we're going as a species and a humanity and talking about who and what we are. Right. And then I also bring it into my into my uh, coaching work, you know, like, you know, I send um, a lot of my clients protocols and virtual reality um, to do limiting belief work and stuff like that. So it's fun, too. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. Uh, so let's, yeah. let's break down a couple. You said you said uh, a lot of stuff. Um, I want to break <laughs> down each one. No, it's great. This is great. This is all fascinating things. There's in my mind. I was just like, OK, I'm going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about okay. that. Um, so let's, let's, let's break this down one piece at a time. So first of all, yeah, yeah. uh, you help executive coaches. Okay. What do you help them? They, they are where, and you help them get to where. 
I help executives, um, not executives. Sorry, yeah. sorry. you're right. Yeah, no, it's okay. I, so I do performance. I, I, mer I merged that in my head. You're right. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I do performance coaching for uh -huh. executives or uh, like leadership teams. And um, I base it's like a mindset training, like a flow mindset training to teach them the techniques that I have. It's kind of like this formula that I've developed over the last 10 years to access this um, stabilized flow. And it's a combination of like what we already talked about, looking into these patterns of our default mode, of our narrative mind, identifying, um, you know, limiting beliefs and what that false self narrative is to like be able to identify with it much less and then add in, you know, a stack of different meditation techniques and a stack of different positive psychology techniques. And it's really the combination of those three things where if someone who's really like has the willpower to do the things on a regular basis, you know, it'll get them the outcome of stabilized flow. You know, it's. And what if they don't have the willpower? <laughs> <That's your story. laughs> you don't, you don't, you don't like, like accountability, sit over them with a large stick and carrot, you know, and just. <laughs> Well, I, I have had that problem with some of my clients and then yeah. it's about like, you know, working with the personality and sometimes they just really need to focus on self-care number one before mm -hmm. they like have the capacity. I mean, some people are so stressed out, mm -hmm. you know, these poor people, they come to me and they're like freaking out. They're either going to have a heart attack or end up in a mental health institution, right? Because mm -hmm. they're like so stressed, like burnout, like the yeah. epitome of burnout, you know? And so then the approach is like slightly different and like just getting them to a healthy baseline right and then offering them this formula so this formula is for like healthy people you know not people like in like freak out mode you know and so it's about having a healthy baseline to be able to then optimize what the baseline is right yeah so at, with especially with executives uh, there seems to be a thing with the the mindset of I'm going to, I'm going to go hard until I hit the ground. Right. I'm going to. Yeah. I'm that's gonna... one of the myths. You got it. Aha! <laughs> yeah, let's see. If we can, I don't know. Let's see how many we can get as we go through this, as, as we go through this, but that's the thing is they, they just said, okay, I, I don't have time to recover. I don't have time for the performance. So instead I'm going to down a whole bunch of Red Bulls and then I also need to loosen up. So I'm going to have some vodka with my Red Bull. And then I'm also going to, you know, grind through these things. And there seems to be that, that, yeah, it, there's never time to slow down to recover to be able to have yeah have them go through that and I, i've noticed that that there's like an rpm like normally say you know when you first start out a business or whatever it is you're at 100 miles an hour and you grind for so long your 100 miles an hour becomes 80 miles an hour and they become 70 yeah, and 60 yeah, and you, totally. you slow down so you're, you're trying to push as hard as you can but you're only going you know five miles an hour um and people are just walking past you so how do you help people that you're talking about well this isn't for the crisis mode do you help the people in the crisis mode? Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah, okay. it, more individually. Like I have my groups, you know, that I do. I have a group coaching program that anyone can really join that's in some sort of leadership role. And then I offer groups, you know, internally to organizations to hold like executive teams. And they usually have a budget for that for like performance coaching, you know. And then I have my one-on-one -on -one clients. And if they're in crisis mode, like I'll still, you know, I'm not going to turn them down. Like, oh, I can't handle you. You're in crisis mode. <laughs> <laughs> it just looks it just looks different then it's just about triaging them out of yeah. the crisis and then the meditation is just like when they get on the calls with me and sometimes i'll talk to them you know for two hours a week like an hour twice a week 
and they just have to like commit to book those hours. And then like one of those hours is talking about like unhooking from all this stress. And then another one of the hours is really just doing the techniques together live, mm. you know? Yeah. What's, I mean, what's, I think you mentioned a little bit, but like, what's one thing if there was like a high level CEO listening to this, that they could do, if they feel themselves at the edge, what's one thing that they could do to, 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 to drop from red line, at least out of the red line down a little bit. One, geez, one thing. Um, just really taking on the, taking on the point of view that it is real and possible to be motivated without having to kill yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I have to go all the way. Yeah. Uh, that's right. And it's true. And that's the thing is, is you're, you're, you're wedging in to try to create space for them to, to be like, come on, man. It's like, oh, yeah. And well, motivation is a line in our psyche. That's like, that's consistent all the time. And it's like, what is your line of motivation? What's running that algorithm? Mm -hmm. And you're in control of that. Like you have a choice. And if you're running that algorithm of motivation on fight or flight, like you're just going to hit the ground, yeah. you know? And so to get out of that, that issue of that algorithm, you have to first believe that it's even possible to do so you know absolutely and the way that in my mind that i think of it is we can always run on two different fuel sources right uh, uh diet wise um we can run on fats or we can run on sugars i can i can run on snickers bars or i can run on grass-fed butter uh the the negative always seems to be more powerful um but the positive always seems to be more sustainable yeah like, like, and so like you can sustain longer on positivity but the negative really gets you up and going. It's like that jolt of it, yeah. electricity. It's an addiction to adrenaline. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I had I had a, a realization a long time ago that I was addicted to negativity, and I and I let the negativity drive me to try to get things done. And I felt if I did, yeah. if I wasn't negative that I would be afraid that I would lose motivation and oh I would God, fail. That's it. Like you yeah. and everybody else in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I'm and not unique we and special in my shame and guilt of the situation. <laughs> we were designed by nature to do yeah. that. You know, yeah. that's the negativity bias in the brain. That's the survival mode, you know, that like we actually are. And that's why it takes, you know, it takes a lot of extra effort to get out of this because it's it's like swimming upstream to our natural mm. biology, to the negativity bias in the brain and our survival mode instincts. And so you have to, it, it takes a high performer to get out of that. Mm. And I'll offer like one more thing to answer yeah. your question. Like, sure. like for the one thing for executives, because like first, like it's like to believe that a new line, developing a new line of motivation is possible, you know? Um, but then it's like, well, what is that? Like, where does it come from? And this is where, you know, more of the Eastern contemplative approaches come into play. Like I'm a, I'm a student of uh, Mahamudra Dzogchen uh, Buddhism, you know, and it's this concept. So for this new line of motivation, something really useful could be the concept of the Buddhist uh, bodhicitta, developing bodhicitta, which is like being motivated out of like outside of the self, right? That like if you could transition out of the fight or flight response and into this new line of motivation to think about it would only benefit everyone around you. Mm -hmm. 
And it would only have this unforeseen and unknown domino effect for like so many people, like, you know, and so it's like, it's reminding yourself and then maybe you're not like in a positive impact business or whatever, but it could still be like for your own well-being. Like the more that you protect your own well-being and optimize your own well-being, it's only going to benefit all of the people around you, like your family, your employees, your friends, the people who buy your products, like whatever, you know, and it's going to just keep going. And so to kind of start aligning with this intention, like every morning and every night before you go to bed, right when you wake up in the morning of like having that positive effect on the people around you so it's like shifting from the sun out of like this like ego motivation to be driven into being motivated out of service mm. right and outside of the self mm -hmm. um yeah and i think i this really powerful and i think it's a very difficult it is a very challenging thing and i know um i know because i've had storylines where i've done a lot of work <laughs> I'm not perfect. I definitely slip into these things areas, but I've done a lot of work to get out of this category where driving hard on like say on my last business and I drove really hard to try to like make things happen and, and do these big things. And then I'd get mad at everybody because someone might mess up or whatever. And I was like, but I'm doing this for us. I'm doing, but I was a terror, a terror around everybody. Right. And then there's like this thing that happens that it's, there's like a driving force to try to make it successful because you're trying to do this for yourself and everybody else around you. But then all of a sudden it becomes this like negativity vacuum where you just, you're just like this, this energy that just, that just proliferates everywhere. And it's just yeah. so, it's so toxic that it, then it just disempowers everybody around you. Yeah. And you have a thing where you either have to change yourself to change the environment, or you're just going to cycle through a bunch of people who just can't stand you. Right. And yeah. they just like, you just like yeah. burn them out. There's like, Oh my God, no, thank you. Thank you, but yeah. no, thank you. And they, and so it's one of those lessons that, you know, and I think it's a challenge. I still, I think I do still struggle with it from time to time. Yeah. On that, it's getting, catching that mindset. And it's a, it's a, it's a powerful mindset though to shift. Cause it sounds like to me, cause I, I use a lot of the hero terminology from the podcast. There's yeah. the, the hero and the villain. The villain is someone who has great power, who serves himself. And a hero is someone who has great power, who serves the people. Right. So can you shift that mindset from, from A to B and maybe we're using different terminologies for it. But I love that thing. If you can shift in that, like, this is a holistic approach of being of service, not just the uh, achievement base, but also how you make people feel along the way. You know, that, that yeah, yeah cool. totally. Yeah. And it's really like it becomes more fundamental to yourself. And it's like the cheesy, you know, Gandhi quote that everyone knows, like, be the change you want to see in the world, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. and it, but it's really true. Right. And like I say, like, don't just be it, but lead it and lead by example. Right. And, and be the embodiment you know, of, of the positive benefit. And that's really, that's the leading by example is that for, not for the thing that you're doing in the world, but for your own, like your well-being, like in your health needs to come number one, and be number one, you yeah. know, and to lead by example in that way, you know? Yeah. And it's, things are trite for a reason and they're trite because they're true. We, we get, yeah. we just, we just desensitize ourselves to it. Yeah. It's like, how do you get healthy? <laughs> Diet and exercise. Right. Yeah. <laughs> What's your secret? Diet and exercise, mental diet, mental exercise. You know, it's, it's the same thing, but it's, it is true. Yeah. Um, and it, but it's got to hit you at the right time. And it's, I don't know, for some reason, you know, it's that, that the, the learning is like, you know, experience plus emotional intensity, right. Causes that retention, right. So you need, yeah. you need to, it, there's something's got to hit you hard. And then when you hear that, be the change, 
you know, that you want to see in the world. That's why like a lot of times when you, if you're like on, you know, scrolling through Instagram across positive quotes, it doesn't really mean anything. But if you're, you know, uh, four, four cups into ayahuasca, you know, and you get the same quote, (laughs) it's gonna, it's just gonna hit you different, right? At that, at that, at that point. So, um, you were saying, you were saying something, something else as well. I thought was interesting is you say you do these protocols inside virtual rowdy as well. Oh, well, like one of the, one of the companies that I'm advising, um, Mm. is called horizon mind and it's in the beta stage, but incredible for a beta stage. And you can get it in the Apple store. Now, if you go to horizon mind and there's, um, I'm working with uh, Nikolai, who's the CEO, incredible, incredible person. And then and then the co-founder, Chris Halbaum, who was my mentor for many years. And she's like the world's leading NLP uh, trainer and, um, and coach. And so she, her and her husband, Tim Halbaum, actually invented some of the most advanced NLP techniques, um, including this one called the Dynamic Spin Release, DSR. And it's one that I've been trained um, personally from Chris as my mentor and then helped Nikolai um, get into this a virtual reality um, app, basically. And so I, I start, I use the dynamic spin release with my clients. And so now I'm able to actually just say, go work on that if you have an Oculus, you know, like <laughs> in virtual reality, it's pretty cool. So yeah. it's the Horizon Mind and it's inside the, the Oculus store? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, cool. Yeah. Cool. Cool. I just want to, I just want to mind.io. Yeah. If people want to check it out and then they're all, they've, I think it's updated now and if it's not, it will be soon with EMI, eye movement integration, which is very similar to, um, um, EMDR, mm-hmm. eye movement, desensitization, reprocessing. And EMDR was actually derived from EMI from NLP a long time ago. So they're very similar. That's super yeah. interesting. Yeah. And that's the, um, you know, so uh, just unpacking a little bit, the NLP neuro-linguistic programming, using words to be able to kind of reprogram the brain. Yeah. Right? And then the, the EMDR is the rapid eye movement that you think about a traumatic response as you move your eyes around and you kind of desensitize yourself to the original trauma of the situation so that you can retain the memory and think about it without freaking out like you get dunked in a bottle of cold water or something. Yeah. So, Totally. Great description. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, I want to go through some of these pieces um, so that anybody's listening can understand it. That sounds fantastic and super great. And, and, and this thing, bridging the gaps where you take the technology, right? You have these, you have this latest technology like virtual reality, and then you take uh, this um, psychology technologies, uh, and then you blending these things together, I think is, is, is a, is a wonderful thing. So then you, you do coaching on that and you, and you guide people through those processes and, and you're beta testing that type of stuff to kind of see the effectiveness is what's the, um, what's the result of the application? Is it, is it, is it just, is it leading people through a mental wellness or. Well, my, you know, my whole thing is to get to facilitate people into stabilized flow. Okay. That's my one and only, um, you know, targeted outcome in working with people. And so I use techniques like NLP mm-hmm. and, you know, e- EMDR, um, EMI, and the dynamic spin release technique, another one, um, to basically, as part part of the formula, is identifying limiting beliefs and, like, where they come from, right? Identifying what I'm calling, like, the false self narrative, which is the archetype 
of um, our, our, the limitations that we've created for ourselves. And so identifying what that is using these techniques and then adding in the stack of the meditation and positive psychology exercises. And that's the, like, that's, that will get them into stabilized flow. That's yeah. Awesome. Because you have a lot of these, these, uh, false narrative stories holding you back, limiting you, not allowing you to kind of move forward with confidence. Because a lot of people, they want tactics. How do I get rich? How do I you do this? Right. And they want the tactics, but it's it's getting that mindset. But that mindset is, it's a it's a it's a simple word, mindset. Yeah. But, <laughs> but it it is not easy by any stretch of the imagination. So you say, uh, so uh, getting past that false uh, self narrative and those things is, 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 uh, 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 technically speaking a bitch and yeah. to, to be able to do that. So in terms of like helping people unpack that and helping people go through that, like you have, um, what do you think in terms of like timelines to help people? Can you, can you fix them in 60 seconds and get rid of all their problems so they don't have any issues? You know, uh, is is there a pill that they could take that they don't have to put in any effort whatsoever? No, no, but that's, I'd love to learn about like, what would you say in terms of like, um, if they're working with you, you know, timelines and things like that to help people. Cause that's a, it's a, it's a process. These things are, it's like working out. I want to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger tomorrow. Meh, meh, probably not. So, yeah. so I'd love to like learn a little bit more about that. Yeah. Well, you know, everyone's different and it really depends on like how much work you've already done on yourself and, you know, if there's like heavy trauma, you know, and how much you've actually looked at that. And, but generally speaking, like I have a group of 14 people right now and we spent the first two weeks of the program of a seven, seven week program on this false self narrative. And I could probably say that every person in the group, like got to like a deeper layer of understanding by just presenting these frameworks, you know, and asking very specific questions and, and, empowering them to self-facilitate you know i think a lot of coaches and therapists out there like it creates this like codependent relationship where you need the sessions with the person to, like get through the thing you know and i'm just like like you guys are high performers like do it yourself you know here's how you do it <laughs> it totally is because because it becomes a thing of like uh solve my problems for me right? yeah i don't yeah 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 versus saying i'm gonna give you the tools is there a uh uh, a primer or some sort of way that you let them know that you, you're, you're not going to like, um, uh, uh, they got to do the work, you know, is there a way to kind of like set that so you, you don't come across that where like, Hey, I, you know, I, I showed up and I didn't do anything, but I'm, but I'm still, uh, mentally and emotionally out of shape, you know, yeah. and, it's, and it's your fault. Um, <laughs> so is there any ways that you can, you guide people to kind of say, Hey man, you gotta, you gotta do some work to, to get to where you want to go. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm pretty straightforward about that from the get-go. And like some of these frameworks that I present are like force um, you to be very self-effacing, um, right? You know, I present on um, Dr. Shafali. Have you heard of Dr. Shafali? No. She's an incredible um, psychologist, clinical psychologist. And um, she has this book called Radical Awakening. And in the book, she presents um, this bundle of chapters on what she calls like the ego... Um, masks or the ego archetype, like these masks that we wear. And we've heard of a lot of them, right? Like the perfectionist, you know, the people pleaser, which is like the people pleaser is like this, the tyrant, you know, because like they um, say yes to everything you know, and under deliver and then become resentful and angry and then like 
freak out and rage because they're like being underappreciated, right? And the perfectionists of like having too high of standards so much, they're so afraid of failure that they never, and everything has to be perfect because like they can't fail so much so that it actually prevents them from achieving anything in the first place, right? And then the list goes on, you know, to all kinds of overachieving and the victim, the diva, the princess, you know, like all these things of basically what it is, is like these masks of these coping mechanisms, because the, the term is trauma response, right? So there's the trauma that you have, but then it's like, how did you cope with it? How did you respond to it? And that's actually what makes us us, right? That's like mm -hmm. this mask that we wear of seeking external validation of the unmet needs that we didn't get as a child of like, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy of love. I'm not safe. And so we constantly project these stories externally to get the unmet needs instead of just giving them to ourselves and like, you know, reparenting ourselves in a way. And so to answer your question, I guess like the way that I teach and the way that I present, it's just like, you know, it can be, it just forces you to be like, whoa, like, you know. <laughs> yeah. it, have you, uh, one that's great is, is great and with looking at those different masks right there's x amount of mass i don't know how many masks there are um but it, are there ones that are that are cause a negative spiral with each other like and in terms of like have you seen these relationships between these different masks because from one of the things that i've seen i've seen i've seen one trauma one trauma type trigger another trauma type and then they uh, start and they start feeding off people? People. Oh, yeah. different people right yeah, and so totally. can do you know any common patterns that you can talk to, uh, that are that kind of pop up so like maybe like there's a relationship or a situation that could be a work or um uh, uh an actual relationship or any of that stuff is there have, what patterns have you seen where these masks fight with each other? Yeah, honestly, I think that like most of reality is yeah. functioning from that yeah. level of complexity, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like we're all just like five-year-olds and three-year-olds and two-year-olds and seven-year-olds like sure. freaking out and throwing tantrums, trying to relate to each other. And like our <laughs> entire society is based around like what you just asked, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like it's a big mess. <laughs> can, can you pull up a whiteboard real quick and just draw this out for me real fast? I'd be really curious to be just unearth the, uh, the social issues that we all face. Yeah. <laughs> It's an interesting thing because I've seen that I've seen those I've seen those trauma right. responses affect each other. But when you're talking about it, it really hit home for me. And I'd love to like learn about because there's got to yeah. be there's got to be when you put A and B into a room, you know, you take the the messy person and the OCD person and you put them in a room. You're going to have a basically a sitcom. You know, yeah, well, it's called trauma bonding, you know. Oh, is it called trauma bonding? <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, well, and it shows up, you know, in intimate relationships. It's like, okay, is the intimacy here? Are we bonding from like the really hurt three-year-old and the really hurt seven-year-old? And that's like where we're having intimacy is because we're fulfilling those unmet needs. And then it just become over time, it just becomes so toxic. <laughs> a dismantle. It's life, you know. Another oh. one is, you know, attachment styles, you know, and mm. there's a ton of research out there on how different attachment styles, anxious avoidant, you know, secure, and like how they kind of complement each other or actually re-trigger like our traumas. And so those relationships, you know, when we get into dynamics like that, whether and I I work with executives and with, with businesses and companies, and so mm. I talk about it more of like the level of intimacy that shows up in our work environment, you know. 
and it's all the same. And it's just our relationship to life, you know? And so when we're able to kind of break down some of these frameworks, it's just kind of <sighs> takes off some of the pressure. <laughs> Do you know, we talk about uh, uh, executives and, and working with them and uh, intimacy uh, with their team members or their executive teams and things like that. There's a challenge around being vulnerable. There's a challenge around around communication and difficult conversations in workplace. Do you do you help executives with that, navigating those things and unpacking the, the trauma issues or the trauma bondings that they have between um, um, the toxicity that can form through uh, long-term relationships in business? Yeah. And just like, yeah, helping people navigate what healthy emotional connection looks like and what it is totally, you know, and I think part of it is like bringing these uh, frameworks to the forefront and promoting, um, you know, a self-effacing mentality of, of vulnerability when these stories um, start being projected onto each other and just like pointing out that it's like universal, right? Like we all this, like we all have these, you know, and it's not just one mechanism, it's like five of them, like all at once, you know? And so it's just like, you know, like we're here laughing, you know, and it's just kind of creating this lightheartedness around it that we all struggle with this and creating a culture around like, just like when it comes up, being able to laugh it off and like, and actually learning and defining what that healthy, secure form of relating is without all those stories and from our true nature rather than the false stories to be able to identify like the best outcome in business. Mm. Yeah. I mean, we're laughing because part of this is it's funny because we're so silly as humans. It's just a silly thing that we yeah. do. Right. <laughs> and, and things are and there. We're laughing because it's also true. There's some so there's, true, yeah. there's things that happen that you're like, yeah, that's a, you know, it's like, you know, like, you, know uh, you know, you're kind of bringing your, 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 it's almost like kids when they're young, they have their like lunch snacks and they open it up. They're like, Hey, here's my lunch snacks. You want to, you want to trade this trauma for that trauma? Do you yeah. want to trade, you know, and you just kind of like show them whatever you got. And it's, but it's an interesting thing because you're right. The, we all, all of us are still kids. Like no matter how old we get, um, I saw this, I saw this one kid who was just like, I don't know, maybe three years old. And, and he was raging about something. Someone took his doll and he was just raging. And I, and in my mind, like, I saw him and I was just like, wow, like that kid is having an experience that I've seen in like, like 30 year olds who lose their company because some investor kicked them out of it. And they're just raging. Right. And the thing is like, like, even though we get old and we get mature or whatever the things is, our feelings don't mature, right? We still have those feelings. We get rage, we get gratitude, we get grief, we get all those pains, we get all those things that come around. But like, but you, but you just, you just learn how to manage them. Ideally, you, you over time, you learn how to manage them in a healthy way. And that's, and that's really interesting to try to say, like, how do you, if you do have a bunch of these, um, you know, uh, people that are technically still babies, just wearing suits or whatever they're yeah, doing, totally. as an yeah. right? Like, how, <laughs> how do you get them to play well in the lunch yard, right? What, yeah. if, what, advice, yeah. what advice do you give to them to being able to, to how they can actually well, uh, share their lunches? And totally. Well, I give them techniques, you know, and we've been talking a lot about this concept of the false self narrative and these mm -hmm. frameworks that I offer, but really that's only like, that's less than one third of what I do, mm -hmm. right? And the other 
huge portion of what I do is teaching um, a variety of different meditation techniques that, you know, and each, if you understand the neuroscience of meditation, each, each different technique from each wisdom tradition um, and each category upregulates a different area of the brain. So you can kind of customize like the outcome of your meditation practice if you really know what you're doing with meditation itself. And so the way that I teach meditation is, you know, by, um, you know, a style of meditation that upregulates the same area of the brain as flow state, the anterior cingulate cortex, you know, and then combine that with these like kind of like what I call like neuro hacks, you know, to increase it like the happiness set point, you know, and these positive psychology techniques. And there's there's a variety of them and some are just like one off things things that you know well-researched positive psychology just like one-off journaling exercises or you know and then some of them are like you do them every day every morning and every night you know you do them every day um, for a minimum of two weeks and you see the effect and it so it boosts your mentality it boosts your self-esteem and you do that while you're doing this excavating of the false self story and while you're meditating so you're gaining this greater understanding of the self while also not getting too caught up in it, in the darkness of it and the heaviness of it, because you're also boosting, you know, your, your self-esteem and doing these positive psychology exercises. And so that's, you know, the research, I was Jeffrey Martin's, you know, um, intern at the Transcend Lab. And like we, you know, that's well researched, um, the combination of those, of those things. And then you add in, you know, like identifying the limiting beliefs and it's just like, we'll take you there so much faster. That's awesome. And yeah, there's, I mean, there's a lot, I mean, diving inwards into the brain, it's a, it's a, it's a vast ocean. I mean, you can go infinitely deep as you can go infinitely outwards and understanding how to unlock those different keys is there's, you know, meditations. When you say the word meditation, it's a very, it's like, you know, mindset, mindfulness. It's, it's a word that is, is, is infinitely deep. You were talking about something and I just want to touch on, I don't know if I misheard you, or I don't know uh, if that's, but you said something about different wisdom trees or different wisdom. Oh, with the wisdom traditions. Like, wisdom you know, traditions, yeah. Could you yeah. say more about that? Well, there's just each different kind of wisdom, Eastern wisdom tradition. Like there's different lineages, right? Mm. Like there's, you know, different, I mean, there's Buddhism, but there's so many different types of Buddhism that come with a different, different sets of techniques and have different outcomes. And then you're basically like engineering, like a brain state with different mm -hmm. techniques you know and then you can combine certain ones and really get clear about like what the outcome is and like you know and my the outcome that i want to help people with is getting into these the highest levels of performance excellence with stabilized flow mm -hmm. you know that have actually not been you know um outlined by western psychologists yet you know because we're bringing in the eastern philosophies and these eastern wisdom traditions and basically reverse engineering the through like a very unique combination of techniques mm. you know, for this and it's motive it has to do with motivation this line of motivation it's like what you know and what changes and and then there's like the stages of development right you know and there's higher stages of development and what changes when you move up the developmental line as an adult is what you're motivated by you know and so when you bring that in too it's like you can get but i mean it's fun <laughs> <laughs> it's it's fun it's i mean it's fascinating like i mean being in psychology uh and understanding the way people work with each other how people work on themselves and things like that it's it's one of the it's very uh um 
uh, sidearm chair counselor kind of thing of like watching like one of the things i love to do is like going you know pre-covid out in public and like watching people interact and watching why they interact and just sitting there and observing them it's 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 uh understanding ourselves and understanding the way that we interact with each other is is utterly fascinating and it sounds like one of the things you're looking at is you're looking at their motivations understanding how their motivations change over time understanding where they want to get to in a certain state and then saying okay based on your motivation and based on you know where you're at and where you want to go this is you can follow this wisdom tradition up and it will get you to where you want to go which is fast which is fascinating to me um is this in, in terms of what we've been talking about this you're talking about the five myths of sustaining high performance do you want to say a little bit more about that in terms of the myths? Um, yeah, well, I would, you know, if people are interested in um, like debunking what that mm. I've found, you know, mm. over through my experience of these top five myths that get in the way from um, your leadership capacity to be in a stabilized flow, then go to, you know, um, my website flow.lindsaybriner.com to get access to um, the recording that I did very recently. I'll do another one and you can sign up and learn about my group. Um, yeah. Yeah. I go, I mean, it's like an hour and a half recorded thing. I can't, I don't think you have time for that right now. Sorry. You got two minutes. Let's go. Come on. We're going to cut this again. Come on. Yeah. No, I, uh, I get it. It's, it's one of those things that it's also just tying together and like the things that you're really passionate about and then understanding these like uncommon. So what do you think is a, a kiss? Can you give us one, one thing that stands out that is a uh, something that is a mistake that uh, other people have made that is that people might believe to be true that's not really true. I guess it definitely that yeah. is. Yeah. So like one of them, yeah, yeah, like one of them, which is the biggest one essentially, mm -hmm. and we kind of touched on it a little bit earlier, but it's basically that um, performance, excellence, and inner peace are compatible. <laughs> contrary to cultural belief systems <laughs> yeah man oh man yeah i i uh i i completely feel you on that one i had on my for a long time i had written on my whiteboard is how do i be how do i be uh both pleasant and productive yeah right? and, that's it right and i was like how do i i'm like how do i get there i'm not necessarily saying i knew exactly how to get there i'm like well i'm like hmm I could figure that out. That'd be awesome. Full uh, mindset. Well, that's my expertise. Yeah, just yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, so then talk about this in terms of what you're doing, right? What is so the the journey you've been on from doing the uh, the the trans tech and then all the studies and the the wisdom traditions and then helping helping uh, ex uh, executives along this path and everything else? What's your holy grail? What's your flag in the sand? What's the thing that you're trying to achieve from doing all of this? Yeah, well, for me, I just like, um, you know, I feel really passionately about, you know, the next, the future generations, you know, and what's going to happen, you know, like with the rise of exponential growth technology and all of the risks you know, of, you know, if people have seen, you know, the social dilemma and, you know, the, all the risks that we face, like existential and catastrophic risk factors through the exponential growth of technology. And so it's like really exciting and there's really fun aspects to it, but there's also like, um, you know, a lot of risk. And so my passion and is really in you know, accessing these high-level tech executives and their executive teams and the engineering teams that are doing the code for like our social networks and all these things and really bringing, introducing them into the flow mindset formula and the stabilized flow formula that I have to help people evolve um, 
on their developmental stage to be motivated, you know, from outside of these, the self-interest, you know, motivational line, which is what keeps us into the fight or flight mode. And to, so to help these leader industry leaders and, you know, engineers that are building the technology to function from like the bodhicitta, right. From the motivation of, of wanting to be in service and to really be able to see the bird's eye view of the further future of the next generations to be able to build something that could be more sustainable um, with technology in a really good way, you know? Yeah. And so it sounds like what you're saying, your holy grail is, and tell me if I've got this right, your holy grail is the inspiring the people that are creating the technologies for social connections or just the applications, inspiring them about using this transformative technologies to kind of push us into a more abundant mindset and less uh, flight or flight or fight. Is that kind of, is that yeah, yeah, just help people grow up and start thinking <laughs> sure. mature, think yeah. better, yeah. make better decisions. Like we have children who are going to have children. Yeah. It's going to nudge us towards the utopia, not towards the disaster exactly. side. Yeah, exactly. So if that is the holy grail goal for you, um, what's the dragon? Like what's the dragon for you that might be so big to overcome that you don't know if you're able to? Hmm, great question. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm riding the dragon, you know, like I'm, I'm on my path and it's um, been really beautiful. Like I have a couple groups that I'm running right now and I'm working with some incredible executives. And I think the next stage of my business is really focusing more on working with um, whole executive teams for like big um, tech companies and just big companies in general to really be able to impact culture from like the top down in that way. Um, and bringing in, you know, some of the technologies I haven't had. I've been so busy moving forward. Um, the the approach, the coaching approach that I want to start bringing in, you know, like world, you know, world class um, heart rate variability experts mm. and that use breath work to help train, you know, my clients and these executive teams into like self-regulating the heart and like, you know, so start bringing in more experts in growing a team to really collaborate and do this together. Mm. So if you know of any, let me know. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. And, and that's right. So expanding, it's growing, it's being able to yeah. expand your reach and be able to actually like kind of uh, scale past yourself and kind of create um, kind of a, a, a tight community of, of, uh, impactful Expert, people yeah. and experts that kind of expand. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, I know a couple of people. <laughs> we, we can hundred percent talk about that for sure. Um, uh, Lindsay, this has been wonderful. Is there anything else you'd like to let people know about before you tell them how to get a hold of you? Um, I don't know. Just reach out. Find me on lindsaybriner.com and, and the, the webinars at flow.lindsaybriner.com. I'm on social media and just reach out anytime. Um, you know, um, if you join my group, you'll know that like, or everyone in my group knows that like, I'm all about like the personal connection and the personal relationships. I'm not here to sell a product. I'm here to really facilitate transformation. And so, yeah, I'm just here. I'm here for you. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for showing up. We appreciate you being here. Um, have a beautiful and blessed day, and I will see you on the other side. Yeah. Great, Dylan. Take care Thanks now. for having me. Bye. Absolutely. Bye now. Thank you for listening to the Heroes of Reality podcast. Check out heroesofreality.com for more episodes. 
While you're there, you can also take the Heroes Quiz to find out what kind of hero you are. Or, if you have a great story and want to be on the podcast, tell us why your hero's journey will inspire others. Thank you for listening. See you on the other side.